Price for Monday, September 11th, 2023. We're coming to you from the GoGo Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. If you're looking for a place to stay, there is no better place downtown. Matt Sikers alongside Blake Price, Grace Ass, hitting switches and conducting things in the producer's booth in this showy presentation of the Applewood Auto Group, where right now you can get great deals on new Nissan Leafs and Rogues. The QX50 from Infinity, the QX60 from Infinity, lease from 3.99%. I recommend that QX60. Been driving it for the last couple of months. Absolutely adore it. And Applewood's 25th anniversary sale is on. No charge maintenance packages with purchase and a chance for you to win $25,000. See dealer for details because Blake Price. It is all good at Applewood. <laughs> well done. Bodog line of the day today, we're asking you, will Gary Bettman ever present the Stanley Cup to Captain Quinn Hughes? You can vote yes or no at Sakarison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. And Blake, we have um, the Bodog poll question has been left a little incomplete for some. Because it doesn't specify captain of the Canucks squid. Oh, Hughes. I guess that's and true. And of course, there's some talk about how much longer will Gary Bettman be. That's all the part NHL of the equation. Commit. That's all part of what we're asking you to do here. Bodog line of the day from me. Speaking of Stanley Cups, if you like a Canadian team to lift it for the first time in 31 years next spring, you get all seven of them at three to one on your Bodog line of Here's the, the thing, though, about Hughes, always the captain of the Canucks here. That would be a lot for Quinn Hughes to be traded yes. out of the Canucks organization and become a captain of another organization. Yes. And all that for for that to happen under the watchful eye of Commissioner Gary Bettman's tenure. Right. That's, that's a bridge too far. I think we yeah. have to assume this is Canucks only. I voted no, just wishfully. I'm hoping the commissioner has gone sooner rather than later and we can get a better human being running hockey. But that's just me. He becomes the 15th captain in Canucks history. He's the first American captain. Joins Doug Litzer and Kevin McCarthy amongst defensemen named captains. Of course, we got a sense that this was coming last week. Turns out there was a big lunch with the Aquilinis. Tockett called it a great lunch. Or a fungal. <laughs> Tockett called it a great lunch. Uh, also present were Quinn Hughes' parents, and of course his father Jim has worked in hockey for many a years. Rick Tockett, Patrick Alvine were there, Jim Rutherford as well. So what do you think? Oh, I want your uh, early impressions on this and your response to the Bodog poll question. Poll question, I will say no just because um, it's tough to win the Stanley Cup. There's a lot of really good teams that don't win the Stanley Cup. So yeah. if you're putting betting odds on it, you're one of 32 teams right now. God, it could be 34 before you know it. And, of course, with the Bettman inclusion, it's got to happen relatively yeah. quickly. One would think. So I think the safe money is that no, that, that won't happen. That's not to be pessimistic. That's just to be realistic. Um, and in terms of the appointment, you know, I, again, I don't have a, a, a terrible amount of trouble with it. If Elias Pettersson had... A smidge more, um, I don't know, desire to sort of be in front of the camera and, and to be the vocal spokesperson, I would think I would give him the slight edge over Hughes. But they're similar enough in their stoicism um, 
that I think it really is a coin flip for me. And uh, for practicality reasons, we're talking about a guy that, um, well, it's English as a first language. It's on the ice probably six, seven minutes more than even Elias Patterson is. Um, I, I, I think it makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways. I had come around on the idea of Quinn Hughes as captain. I had long been in Camp Pedersen. The reason I was in Camp Pedersen is because I viewed the captaincy as a as a carrot to dangle to entice him to resign long term. When he made it clear over in Sweden that he was not going to be signing a contract extension, when it became clear he wanted to see more about the direction of the Vancouver Canucks after going through so much losing and so much dysfunction yeah. in and around the relation in and around the organization. At that point, the quick pivot to Quinn Hughes for me made a lot of sense. He's here long term. Comes from a hockey family. He started becoming more assertive last year. He's one of your best players. And importantly, the other thing is, look, you've had a number of captains here with the Vancouver Canucks who have been known for their restraint, their discipline, in some cases even their diplomacy. Bo Horvat was that guy. Henrik Sedin was that guy. Marcus Naslin was that guy, although mm-hmm. perhaps not the diplomacy after we choked. Of course, there was that one year with Roberto Luongo in between there. I, I'm, I, I know a lot of people want the captain to be the fire and brimstone uh, brimstone guy. I'm, I more want the captain to be the cool, calm, collected head and voice of the room and of the organization. Yeah, I, I think you do have to... Um I think you have to have a mild bit of charisma to get the guys to follow you. But I think that in the room, I think Quinn Hughes has that charisma with with mm-hmm. his teammates, which is the most important thing. He doesn't have to necessarily have charisma with right. the with the fans and media. But I think, you know, the fact that he's called Huggy and like he's got a nickname, like he's you know, he's he's clearly a part mm-hmm. of the vibe of that room. And that's important for the room. So yeah. um I think that checks a lot of boxes. And I think you can make the argument. You said he's one of the best players. You can make the argument he is their best player. Mm-hmm. In that, uh, a defenseman of that repute is a rarer breed than I think. Yeah, the one hundred point forward, even right, which is still Although, rare. Uh, to me, part and parcel of the reason why I thought Elias would be the best choice is because he's one of your best defensive forwards as well. No, right. Totally. So, so there's nothing player. left wanting. No, no, totally. exactly. Yeah. A complete player gives it full effort on both ends, both ends of the ice. Anyways, let's hear from some of the particulars, including Coach Rick Tockett, and what made Quinn the right choice. He, he mixes with everybody. I think that's as a captain, you mix in with everybody. Um, he's not. He, he said some uncomfortable things that he had to say. You know, uh, if, if something didn't go well, or if he had to, you know, even put himself out there. Um, you know, I, that's why I really like this leadership and, and, and Huggy. They're not afraid to say something to me. Um, that was important to me of making that decision. Um, so for me, I'm just I'm excited to have uh, Huggy as our, our captain. Uh, he's got all the qualities. He's still learning, which is great, um, and he's going to need the support from all of us. And um, you know, like I said, you know that the, the leadership group is excited that he's here. That really made me happy too. And their being here is is a big, you know, a big feather in our cap to have these guys here with uh, with Huggy. Tockett makes two sensational points there, and I continue to be impressed by Tockett as a communicator. Number one, he mixes with everybody. You do sort of need that leader who is at ease talking to all factions and fractions of your dressing room. And number two, that he's willing and able to say uncomfortable things, including to the power and leadership structure above him, which is something else 
that a leader and a captain ought to do. Nice that he wasn't muzzled. He, by mm-hmm. all by all accounts, wasn't um, uh, you know punished in any way, shape, or form for speaking his mind at various times on the Tanner Pearson, uh, yeah, hand mismanagement to begin with. Like that could have been a, a strike in the file, if you will, mm-hmm. and he very clearly was well, not. Especially when you saw Rutherford get his back up, trot those doctors out for that nothing burger press conference, right? <laughs> I forgot Do you remember about that, that one? <laughs> I put that one in the. Something else was happening that day with them. I forget. Anyway. Yeah, you're right. There was. So it wound up being accoutrement to. Uh, the Boudreaux stuff, maybe? Oh, Something like it, that. There yeah. was forever Boudreaux stuff, wasn't there? Uh, here's Quinn on his leadership style, and he's thinking it's more by example. I'm never going to be the loudest guy in the room. I'm be a guy that hopefully can um, be a leader through his work ethic and. Um, you know, in the games, and as time goes on, I'll learn, learn, learn more and more about myself and um, being a leader. And I feel real confident walking into this because of the coaching staff and the management I have with me and the people behind me. And um, as you see, with Millsy and Petey and Dummer here, it just uh, means more than they could know to to have them here with me. And for me, I think uh, this isn't just the end of learning. This is just the beginning. I'm going to keep learning and. Um, you know, keep learning from Millsy and uh, Petey and Demer and different guys in the room and the coaching staff. And I've had a lot of good mentors and different leadership and people I can lean on through, through the years. So, like I said, this is just the beginning for me. But, um, yeah, I'm hoping, obviously, to be a great leader. I think I will be. I think it was smart to have those three players, Elias Pettersson, JT Miller, and Thatcher Demko in attendance. I also think it was smart to have the chairman, Francesco Aquilini, in attendance. You want to see everybody behind the captain, so optically and visually that made a lot of sense to me. I think it's also important. Look in the say in the case of Elias Pettersson or Thatcher Demko, I didn't, I don't suspect that there would be any jealousy or envy here. I'm not sure about JT Miller. He strikes me as the type of guy who stepped into power vacuums in the past. So I think it was important to have him on board. And but he's to- never been the captain, and he's always done that. So I, you know, I think he'll continue to do that. I think he'll, JT Miller will be heard from just as much as yep. we've always heard from him. And Patrick Alvin is asked to name by our Jeff Patterson, as a matter of fact, his alternate captains. He doesn't officially, but he effectively does. He pointed to the three guys exactly. in the back of the room. So are we going to see a letter on a goaltender here? I mean, while a lot of people call it a profound failure, the Luongo experiment, and I guess in some ways you can point to this, that, and the other and say that, what's the downside of an A? Like... You know, I, I just don't know. Like people said, oh, after, you know, bad shellacking, you know, it's tough for the goalie to stand up and, and talk about what the skaters have done and all that sort of stuff. The A's. The, the, you're not required as an A to speak after it. No. A. So I, I don't I don't think it's I mean, You're not required it with the C, although that is the tradition. Yeah. Custom in this sport. Yeah. I mean, to me, it doesn't really affect the price of bread. No, exactly. In fact, if you go back to that Roberto... Alain Vigneault, Mike Gillis press conference about some of the benefits of having a goaltender. They're on the ice at all times, right? They, they see the talk, game. And they can go talk to an official at all times. Now, again, one, stop, one of those Luongo criticisms, well, you know, a skater can be self-inclusive and we weren't back-checking enough. Yes. Goaltender can't say that they, because he's not a skater. And all of that is fair. Um, but again, there, there will be other people that can make those mm-hmm. assessments rather than the captain. Uh, let's hear from Quinn again in terms of his... Leadership style and leading and leading more by example. For me, my perspective, being a good leader, I think that just being ready to play every single game, which I think I already am, 
and um, every practice and being here early and um, having a will to win and driving guys up the mountain. That's what I'm going to try to do. Love that turn of phrase, driving guys up the mountain. He's absolutely right. Being ready to play every game, being good every game. There mm-hmm. were very few times last year where you looked and went and said, wow, tough night for Quinn Hughes. Yeah, I, I uh, he's really sort of put the bad games behind him now. He's going to have more. Every NHL player does. But when we think back to a couple of years ago, Blake, when he was self-admittedly embarrassed by the defensive performance and the dash he put up that year, yeah, he put his money where his mouth is. He's gotten a lot better defensively since then. Because I did see a little bit of mm, offensively inclined defenseman as captain is that a bit tricky? If but he's you not, know, he's not he's underrated Krug. defensively. He's not Tory Krug though. He's underrated you know, defensively outside of this market. I think that so. much is clear. I think so. I um I still think there's room for improvement there. Um, I don't think oh, he's of course. I don't think he's ever going to be Nick Lidstrom, but um, no. But I think he, I think he can still go find one more notch defensively. Sorry, I said lead by example. That was to be ready every night going into that clip. My bad, Grady. Yeah, hope I people got it. Him. What I thought was interesting too, he he mentioned that he talked to Brady Kachuk on what the mm-hmm. pressures of mm-hmm. the Canadian market. Right. And he also referenced the coaching staff here, Gonchar, Talk, and Foot, right. who also served in leadership roles in their careers. And of course, the tie that binds with Brady Kachuk. Kachuk, there's another in Amer- another American, an American who as Quinn put it, grew up with him, who is captaining a Canadian market. From, again, a young club. age, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. Brady Kachuk is uh, a a pop at 23. He's got five years to play with the Senators mm-hmm. to Quinn's four. But, yeah, very comparable. Uh, he was asked to walk through the decision. He didn't want to give up a whole lot there. Uh, to me, one of the big misses of this press conference is nobody in the media asked Patrick Alvine. Did you offer it to Elias? Because to me, that's the big unanswered question here. Was he their first choice, Hughes? Or did they pivot to Hughes after learning that Elias wasn't interested or at the very least wasn't interested in re-signing Would this have been year, an awkward thus question. Dis- thus excluding him from the conversation. Would have been an awkward question because everybody of note is in that room. Right. But yeah. it's a, it's a it's a curiosity. Well, that's what made it, it a good but yeah. to me that's what made it a good question. Watching the tap dancing of Alvin would have been fun too. Well, and Alvin sounded a little nervous today to me. He we had talked about how he'd gotten a lot better in those settings through the draft and free agency. To me he sounded a little bit ner- nervous today. At the end of the day, I suppose it doesn't matter. But, of course, there's a lot to resolve with Elias Pettersson here yeah, going forward. And clearly, if there ever was a thought, let's entice PD to sign long-term by offering him the captaincy, that did not transpire. Quinn was asked, and, and I thought this was a good question, too, because Bo Horvat was named captain October 2019, and I don't think for a second Bo could have known at that point what was coming at him in terms of questions and requirements in leading that dressing room? Because a few months later, of course, we're in the global pandemic. A few months after that, they're being asked to play in a bubble. You'll remember there was the social justice day that the NBA players insisted upon that later Bo Horvat, Jason Dickinson, and others in the National Hockey League decided to follow suit. In the wake of George Floyd, yeah. There was COVID outbreaks within the team and the NHL wanting to push them back faster on the ice. So there were 
questions about Pride Nights. There was a ton of questions that came to the last captain that had nothing to do with hockey. And I thought it was wise um, that Quinn Hughes recognized that and spoke to it, saying he was going to keep piecing it together and do the best that he can while also adding that he was going to lean on not only his parents and his brothers, but the group in the room and others like Bo and like Brady Kachuk. And he mentioned that he had talked to Bo last night. So I think that was pretty intelligent as well. I Go and get the... Go and get the inside from the guy who knows it best on the eve of your big press conference and naming his captain. I'm very intrigued on what Pride Night will look like for this team in this regard because um, Hughes was very outspoken last time out. about He got it right, and I remember retweeting his post on this yep. of what Pride Night meant to him right and he just nailed it yeah and and, and basically i i don't think and he of meant, course it was only kuzmanko who refused to yeah. wear the jersey i don't think he meant it as a shot across the bow for nhl players who didn't understand what the night was really about that it wasn't a mm-hmm. uh, a pamphlet for a lifestyle for you to subscribe to it was right. merely about saying, one night where you say you're welcome here yeah he, um, he had a really good answer about stick handling social issues he said i'm sure i don't understand it the way That's right. I will a year from now. And then talked, went on to talk about how he's going to continue piecing it together, which to me is a, an excellent answer because it's an understanding. I don't know everything. My education continues. Yeah. I, I hope but, that, but I'm going to give this due deference. But I hope he doesn't shrink from this. You know, like he he had the stones to say that last year. Let's hope he continues to have oh, it. Well, I, th- I, I think he's only been more empowered here now, Blake, yeah. on that stuff. I, I really do. I really do. Anyways, Vancouver Canucks just around the corner here. We will see them, well, their reserve list at least, <laughs> at the Young Stars Tournament in Penticton. I always frame it as this. It's a competitive Friday game with the Canuck with Crest Canucks Crests on yeah. the ice at the South Okanagan Event Center on Friday. Uh, Blake and I will be doing portions of our show from neighborhood downtown Penticton on Friday. So looking forward to another fantastic weekend in Penticton and at Young Stars. And, of course, next week, everybody, is when training camp begins in earnest out in Victoria. And more on the timing of this announcement, Quinn Hughes as captain coming up here in Welcome Matt. Now, BC Lions back off their bye week. They will play host to the Ottawa Red Blacks Saturday at 4 p.m. at BC Place. It's future Stars Night, amateur players from around the lower mainland Invited. There's the expanded kids concession. That's back. There's going to be carnival games for kids. Of course, tickets start at $25. Kids 17 and under can get in for just 10, but you can win them right here with Sakarison Price. Text hashtag Lions to 778 402 9680, our Great Clips text message inbox, for your chance to win a pair of tickets and a team store gift card plus food and beverage vouchers. Again, hashtag Lions, 778-402-9680. As for the Lions, Blake, they watched Winnipeg go out and do what they exact were revenge to do. Yes. over Saskatchewan. Yeah. Absolutely annihilated the Rough Riders. So BC goes into this game a game and a half back of Winnipeg. Edmonton beats Calgary in the rematch of the Battle of Alberta. And so now they're four and a half up on fourth place in the West. So 
What this is looking like is the BC Lions are absolutely going to be a West Division playoff team. Just where they're going to slot, got a little more cushion because of that Riders loss. So no likely crossover for the Leos. And it's all about those two Saskatchewan and Winnipeg games back to back at the end of this month and into early and early into early October. And of course the Lions will have some time to have healed some of their wounds. And I know there were a few guys on both the offensive and defensive line, not to mention the receivers with Dominic Rhymes, who needed this bye week. I think you're gonna see a very good effort from BC on Saturday. They absolutely destroyed Ottawa here last year. That was actually the final game for Paul LaPolice as Red Black's head coach. I, I, I think both lines needed some um they had played a lot of football. Yeah. And you remember last year they had the three buys, including Labor Day, all early in the season. Mm. It was a little different this year. There was a fair tax put on the lines. They had a couple of short weeks there, had a couple of left tackles who were ailing, had a couple of defensive tackles who were missing games. So uh, I think this buy came at a very good time. We saw the pass rush so strong early on. We saw the you know the the ability to create some holes for running games early on. So I think both lines getting some rest will uh will return the Lions to their right. front half selves, I think. Uh, sadly, the other team of interest in these parts Ooh. has a huge question now at offensive line with both Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas coming out of the week one game injured. The two rookie starting tackles from last year for Seattle. They get obliterated at home, 30-13. to 13. The Rams beat them, putting up 426 yards of offense to Seattle's 180. First downs in this game were L.A. 27, Seattle 13. And all that in the second half, really. It was a tie. Yeah, no, it was. They it, had the six-point lead at the half, yeah. but effectively it was a tie at the half statistically. Like they were just kind of, It was just kind of a first half. I was watching it out of the corner of my eye as I was watching my Bears lose again to Green Bay. But the first half was, you know, kind of a slobber knocker. Boy, there were a lot of sort of dry games this missed field goals yeah. and yeah time of possession in this one 20 uh, 39 minutes and 23 seconds to 20 minutes and 37 seconds they nearly doubled them up yeah in time of possession and as mentioned charles cross the big left tackle first round pick from last year he's got a toe injury abraham lucas has a knee injury although that's apparently an existing one may just need some maintenance Pete carroll did not provide particularly detailed updates on those players today so we'll see where we're at for game two for the Hawks. But if you were someone who went into last season going, ooh, this could be a tough year, we may need to rebuild a little bit. And then, of course, we're pleasantly surprised by everything Geno Smith did and getting back to the playoffs and all that. I think you were looking into this season going, ah, we've got this. In fact, we may even have a chance to win the division. This is a weak NFC. We maybe even have a chance to make a run. Suddenly the conversation changes, and it changes in a pronounced way after this game. And here's the other thing, Blake. Rams one of five NFL teams that go into division opponents and win on the road this week. Jacksonville did so. Green Bay did so. Las Vegas did so. And Dallas last night in the Sunday night over. Thumping, yeah. Chris Collinsworth said the Giants just don't look fast enough to be on this field. I think he was right. And some other good road wins, not in division, but going back to Thursday in Detroit, the Miami win against the Chargers. And same old Chargers. I loved what Teddy Bruschi said on NFL Countdown last night about the Chargers. 
don't tell me about your injuries. Don't tell me about your records in close games, right? Like, this is the year you've got to change all that shit if you're the Chargers. Tampa goes into Minnesota and win. Philly goes into Foxborough and wins. And San Francisco left, no doubt, in Pittsburgh. Are you ready for an MVP season from Tua Tonga Um, I mean, sure. Rooting for the young man to some degree. Not sure he's going to hold up over 17 games, although I did note all the preview shows this week talked about how he was learning to fall in the offseason. Did you hear this? MMA coach? He was working on how to fall so he doesn't slam his head against the turf and exacerbate his concussion problems. Gosh, yeah. I hope he's safe all season long. See, that's first and foremost what I hope for Tua. Yeah. But that was the game of the day. In what was really a card that I felt was a little lean on sort of drama and, mm-hmm. and action. There weren't a ton of great matchups either. Not, I just didn't like the execution. I just saw so much yeah. stinky football. There was some stinky football. A big week here coming up in baseball. First and foremost, Vancouver Canadians are through their regular season. They lost yesterday to wrap up the year. They haven't been great actually here for the last couple of weeks, but maybe lack of motivation because they know what lies ahead. The Northwest League Championship Series starts this week. The Vancouver Canadians and because they won the first because they won the first half of the league, first half of the season in the Northwest League, they go immediately into the League Championship Series. Now it turns out they're going to play the Everett Aquasocks And the League Championship Series starts tomorrow in Everett. It moves to Nat Bailey on Friday for Game 3. That's the game that is guaranteed for the Seas at the Nat. And the last I checked, there were a few tickets left, but there wasn't a ton of tickets left for Friday. Games 4 and 5, if required, will be Saturday and Sunday. Adam Mako, the lefty, Blue Jays prospect, the Slovak slash Irish slash Canadian, who's been very good in the second half, is getting the start in game one. So we'll see where they stand after the two games in Everett. Could be a possibility of sweeping the best of five series and winning it Friday at the Nat. If not, there'll be some weekend baseball at Nat Bailey Stadium. And we keep our fingers crossed for the weather there. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be okay. Nat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big week also in Major League Baseball amongst the teams of interest. As it stands right now, the Seattle Mariners are on the final wild card, one game behind Toronto. You asked for the Blue Jays to get a sweep, Blake. Well, they heard you loud and clear. They swept the sad sack Kansas City Royals. They begin a big four-gamer with Texas tonight. Oof. And believe it or not, I think the M's will be Blue Jays fans here this week. Get rid of the Rangers, or at least put some distance on the Rangers. Seattle's two and a half back of Houston for the division lead, and they host the Angels. Minus Shohei Otani. It's their best, apparently their best 14-game stretch of the season that they just played, and it was against the weak sisters of the of the, of the, uh, the We're league. talking Jays? Jays. So, hey, Oakland and Kansas City will help you. In yeah, Cleveland at the front end. and um, But... Now they're into it. The four with Texas, followed by Boston, New York, who have found some legs here. Tampa, New York, Tampa. Tampa. 
Like, well, and Tampa, <laughs> Tampa in particular, and as we talked about Friday, because Tampa has such a big league for that first wild card, there really is no chance of a Redux Mariners Blue Jays series in the wild card round. Of course, Seattle can still get a buy into uh, out of the wild card round if they are to win the division. But if they don't, it's likely going to be Toronto and Seattle slotting in as your second and third wild cards. The last wild card plays the winning team in the AL Central, whether that's Minnesota or Cleveland, and then the two wild cards. And then Tampa would host the other wild card team. And really, Blake, there's kind of an advantage to finishing on the third wild card. I was thinking I that. I would much rather play the AL Central winner yeah. than have to go into Tampa. I don't want to play Tampa if I'm the right. Jays. No, or the Mariners. No, absolutely. Finish with that second wild card spot. Third wild card spot. Yeah. Let's get into today's menu and welcome aboard a new friend, new sponsor brought to you by AG1. Yes. Yeah, start your day, continue your day, finish your day. With some AG1, go to drinkag1.com slash and Price to unlock a special offer. We'll get to the welcome at here in a moment on the timing of the announcement for Quinn Hughes as captain. Jeff Patterson will join after that. We'll ask him all the particulars, including uh, what kind of captain he thinks we're looking at. Will JT Miller submit to his authority? The poll question on whether Bettman will ever provide him, uh, hand him the Stanley Cup. We'll do some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, including Canada at the FIBA World Cup. And, of course, what's coming next year when the U.S. takes it a little more seriously, the Olympics in Paris. And we'll also look ahead to the Whitecaps, who are still away on this epic seven-game roadie. But tons broke white right for Vanny Sartini and his squad. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, they've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. The Vancouver Canucks named their new captain with a press release and a media conference. And I applaud them for it. They eschewed the usual pomp and ceremony of a opening night on ice presentation because general manager Patrick Alvin said they wanted a fresh start heading into training camp. This was the right call. It staves off questions to players once assembled, staves off any campaigning that might have come from a vacant captaincy. It also lets everybody know new players, young players, JT Miller. Quinn Hughes is the captain now, and he can begin leading from the first formal on-ice session next week at camp in Victoria. Let's take a listen to what Quinn said the captaincy means to him. It means a great deal to me. Um, I think you hit it on the head there, especially being in a Canadian market. I mean, when I moved here five years ago and started playing for the Canucks, um, I knew right away what a hockey market it is and um, how important hockey is to the city and um market and the people in Vancouver and so to now be the captain it, it's uh, an incredible honor something that I never 
even dreamed of, and um, I'm going to try my best. Canucks have their 15th captain in club history, their first American captain, and it didn't come with the festivities at the home opener. Of course, there were more considerations than just a fresh start heading into training camp that went into this, I'm sure. You might remember that ex-captain Trevor Linden, for some the all-time Vancouver Canuck, refused to attend when Bo Horvat was named captain in 2019. A reminder that this organization has gone through a lot and has a lot of healing to do. Hopefully, Hughes can build those bridges with all who have been alienated during this decade of despair. That's Welcome Matt for today. We invite your feedback. Feedback channels as follows on email, live at sicarisonprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680. It's a great clips text message inbox on Twitter. I'm Matt Sicaris at Sicarison Price. And the Welcome Matt presentation of great clips. Save time up to get a ready next text when you're up next for a cut. And you can do so at 37 salons in Vancouver in the lower mainland, all Canadian owned and operated. I'll, I'll say did not attend rather than refused to attend for Trevor Linden. Do you know that the offer went out? And he refused. <laughs> no, do you know that he that the offer went oh, out? Oh, sorry, you're asking yeah, me. Yeah. Well, they had every other captain out there, so. Almost, yeah. He uh, was biking that night. Yeah, right. Um, it's I, uh, He was home in kits, as I recall, because <laughs> I texted with him going, why aren't you there? Um. No, uh, I don't think that was the principal reason, but I think that brought all sorts of embarrassment to the organization when um, Lyndon wasn't there, mm-hmm. and with good reason. We know the falling out he had with Francesco Aquilini. I thought it also interesting that Hugh said today he hasn't leaned on the Sedins as much as he should have in the past, and that now he plans to lean on them a little bit. Blake, as we know, the Sedins were more involved with development last season. Yeah. Some would say it was by design that they wanted to keep a little distance from the shit show that was going on with Canucks ownership management and coaching. I think Danny and Hank are pretty wise guys who saw where that was going because I think they knew full well that Bruce Boudreaux wasn't Alvin or Rutherford's choice as a head coach. And we've heard Talkett say that he wants the Sedins more involved in the NHL level this year, including with some of the power play coaching, which is going to be by committee. And so I thought it was, uh, again, a sign of maturity and I think a sign that he is embracing this thing wholeheartedly that he mentioned, you know what, I haven't leaned on the Sedins as much as I should have in the past. That's going to change now that I'm a captain. Hey, they're right there. Uh, such a uh, wealth of knowledge. And again, from one guy who wore the C, one guy who uh, had the A, but... Uh, both huge leaders, and uh, it—I it, mean, it's a—it's a tap in that he should be talking with them on a, on the regular. So good to hear. Happy hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing Neighborhood Brewing Workshop Spirits and the Penticton V season well underway means it's time to visit the Neighborhood Watch. It's a vendor experience at the South Okanagan Event Center. Enjoy your favorite neighborhood beers while attending any event or a Penticton. Penticton V's game, and Blake and I have been there several times. Fantastic vantage point. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a yellow dog neighborhood or workshop spirit. (laughs) 
Classic Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation Applewood Auto Group. I've been telling everybody go down to the Richmond Auto Mall, Applewood Mitsubishi, and take a test drive in the plug-in hybrid edition of the Mitsubishi Outlander. You'll fall in love. But now, I mean, you'd be silly not to do this because with the 25th anniversary red carpet event, just taking the car for the test drive puts you in a draw to win $25,000. So why wouldn't you? So many other fun things uh, included with every vehicle purchase right now. No charge maintenance package valued at almost $2,500. It's all good at Applewood. Bodog poll question. Will Gary Bettman ever present the Stanley Cup to Captain Quinn Hughes? You can vote at Sikerson Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Thursday night football. I just do not like that Minnesota Vikings defense. Didn't like it last year. Don't like it this year. Don't think they're good enough offensively. Philly is the opponent Thursday night. I think Philly could score some more than what we saw in Boston against the Patriots. I'm going over 48 and a half, the total, on your Bodog line of the day. Joined now by our Canucks reporter, Jeff Patterson of Rinkwide. Jeff, good morning. How are you? I'm good, guys. Uh, your thoughts on Hughes' captain, official. Yeah, like I, I've said it many times on your show. I was in the Elias Pettersson for Captain Camp, so uh, you know I, I'm not disappointed. I, I never, I didn't have an out for Quinn Hughes. I just always thought that you know the Swedish lineage, the best offensive player. I thought there were a lot of reasons why Elias Pettersson made sense, but there is uncertainty around his future here. Let's be honest, and I'm sure that played into it. But also the fact that uh, really from the day Rick Tockett landed on the scene here. Uh, you know, he was blown away by Quinn Hughes as a player, but more so, I think, as a person. And his voice grew. And if you go back to even, you know, before uh, Rick Tockett was the coach, the whole sticking up for Tanner Pearson thing, I thought really kind of, you know, captivated the market in terms of, boy, this guy's like, you know, ballsy. He's going to stand up to the organization, stand up to the man here. And I think, uh, I mean, he already had a ton of respect, but I think that was just shining a new light on sort of a different side of Quinn Hughes. And so, uh, we know how much he played under Rick Tockett down the stretch. Uh, he wanted to play more, which uh, seems crazy, but uh, 30 minutes a night, and he was willing to take on more. Uh, this guy's just been an overachiever throughout his life, really, when you go back to uh, you know his college days and, and certainly the first four full seasons in the National Hockey League. All he d- has done to this point uh, is answer the call and answer the challenge. So uh, I'm sure he'll step into this role. Look, ultimately, this is about... What does it mean in the room? You know, people try to make it out about, oh, you know, he's got to meet with the media or he's got to deal with officials. Being a captain in today's NHL is, I think, being a leader of men inside that room. And the players know the real ones. They know who the leaders are. And even if Quinn Hughes didn't have the C on his jersey, uh, he'd still be a leader on this hockey club without a doubt because he is one of their best players. But uh, I think he'll do a nice job. And I think uh, the players recognize that absolutely uh, he is one of the leaders in that locker room. Winning teams have more than one great player on them. So somebody can't be the captain. Uh, you know, there is there is only one ultimately. Uh, Good point. Are there, are there hurt feelings uh, for a guy like Elias Pettersson? Leon Dreisaitl can't be the captain. Or Miller. You know, like you go around the league. A lot of superstars just can't be captain. There can only be one one captain. Daniel couldn't be the captain because right. Henrik was, right? Yeah. Like You're right. Uh, I mean, the, the other option was to go without a captain uh, and three A's. And I know they did that down the stretch, and that made sense, turning the page from Bo Horvat and Rick Tocchet was on the, you know, still brand new to the job and the city and the market and everything else. Like, that made sense for them. I didn't like the idea of going a full season with three A's 
because to your point, Blake, and look, this is not to be taken as a knock on JT Miller in any way, but if you have three A's, you don't have a C. And human nature is that there's going to be a louder voice than others in that room. And that's JT's personality. And I'm not saying that he would have tried to take all the oxygen and become the de facto captain. But human nature is like that's just the way that he leads his life. And both Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson a little more subdued. Now we'll see if, you know, we see and hear more of Quinn Hughes emerging now that they have stamped the C on his jersey. But I just think that there would have been a vacuum created that could have led to some situations. There's no doubt now. The organization has spoken. Quinn is the leader and everybody else has to fall in line. But there is a leadership group that's been identified. And I would assume that uh, we will hear in short order that Patterson and Miller will wear the A's the way that they did uh, down the stretch late last season. So, uh, you know, hurt feelings? I don't think so. Because again, I go back to the uncertainty around Elias Patterson. And I do think that had there been a contract extension in place, Maybe the conversation was a little bit different, but I just don't think that the organization wanted to go down that road until all the I's were dotted and T's were crossed, and they've got a player that's under club control for three more years. And again, as we said, I mean, this guy's done things that nobody has ever done in franchise history. Uh, Quinn Hughes is one of the best Vancouver Canucks of all time, and I don't say that lightly. He's only played here four full seasons, but I think that you know he's cemented his mm-hmm. spot and. Yep. And this is a reflection of what the organization thinks of him. So you think Miller will submit to his authority? Well, I think he better. better I mean, I hope we don't have a revolt on our hands in that locker room. And I'm sure the Canucks are hoping that's not the case. Uh, JT wants to win. Ultimately, the guy's competitive. Look, Ryan Kessler didn't wear the C when Henrik Sedin did. Totally diametrically opposed personalities, right? But they all came together for the common good of winning. And they did a lot of it. Ultimately, didn't get uh, it quite right on June 15th. But... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they can coexist. And, and again, I think Quinn Hughes, with his performance on the ice, has the absolute and utmost respect of every other player in that locker room. If he doesn't, then it's not Quinn that's got the problem. It's whoever doesn't acknowledge Quinn's role in all of this. Mm-hmm. Marcus Naslin was very honest. We choked, right? Yep. Bo Horvat was, for the most part, nothing to see here, unless it was obvious there was something to see there. Henrik used it a little bit to sort of scold teammates, for lack of a better term, or you know, motivate them, push them a little bit. What kind of captain do you think Quinn Hughes will be? I think he's going to be more lead by example. I don't expect that uh, he's going to stand and make great proclamations. Again, this is a team that's still trying to find its way out of the wilderness and has pretty much all of his days here. Uh, Henrik, at the back end of his tenure as captain, you know, had some rough seasons, but obviously uh, also had some really good seasons and a lot of winning and didn't have to explain a lot of the, the winning away. Horvat, uh, you know, he took over and again, things were sort of on the downswing then. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think some of that matters as well. Let's hope for everybody's sake that this organization starts to get some traction and there are there are some more wins to talk about rather than having to explain away yet another loss after another loss after another loss and, and those types of things. So, you know, I think Quinn Hughes will have some learning here. He's going to have to uh, find his way and find his voice. But again, I, I think we have seen uh, a little bit of that emerge. And I think ultimately, uh, you know, he's going to do what he does, and that is set franchise records and then rewrite the record book uh, with better seasons. You know, he's done that each of the last two years, and we'll see if he can up his own personal performances. But, you know, I think he's at a point in time now, he's going to turn 24 here next month, where he recognizes that, 
even if he's putting up close to 80 points and Elias Pettersson's putting up 102, you know, what did it matter? You know, they still finished 10 plus points out of the playoffs. And so it's about doing what you do and bringing all of that to the ice, but it's also finding a way to make this team better, this organization better. And uh, it is about winning and they haven't done enough of that lately. So uh, let's hope that uh, this is turning a page and starting to move in the right direction. Does it change the player at all, do you think? Do you think uh, as a captain feels, oh, I, I've got to be even extra defensively aware, and all, or do you think he's able to push the responsibility things aside and just be him? Yeah, I, I think he is who he is. Um, again, are there going to be some situations where you turn to a captain and lean on a captain? Yeah, but you know, this isn't the guy that's in his second or third year now. Like he's going into his fifth full season in the National Hockey League. He's grown up around the game. He's seen an awful lot, even in his young years. Uh, I think his eyes are wide open here. Uh, but ultimately, he's just a terrific player, and I think he'll continue to be that for the Vancouver Canucks. And you know, and when we'll start to see him round out some of the other elements that go into being a leader and, and ultimately being the captain of this hockey club. We've we've joked about this before, but now that it's actually happened, um, does it root the captain in the city any longer? You know, past the contract and all that sort of thing. Hey, have they traded captains? They've traded captains. We know that there's a history of that, but. Um, you know, I think that teams generally do select guys they think are going to be there for a long, long time. Right. I mean, as long as his brothers are in the league and he's the oldest of the three, I mean, there's always going to be that speculation that, you know, the Hughes brothers want to play together. I I suppose I would answer the question this way, Blake, if he is captain for three years until his contract expires and this team hasn't made headway. Right. Whose fault is that? Yes. It's probably time to, you know, throw uh, the baby out with the bathwater at that point and really start over. And who knows where Elias Pettersson is going to be playing uh, at that point. So, you know, they've got him under club control for three more years. Uh, Really, they should be statistically the prime of his career here. And as I said, like it just it feels after this dark decade, it is so time uh, for this group to, to make some headway and gain some traction. So. Uh, you know, I don't have the answer to that question, but at the end of these three years, when his contract expires, if they're no further ahead, then, you know, he probably wants out and maybe it's time to, to just move on and, and try it all over again. Well, uh, boy, if Elias leaves, it might be a accelerated timetable. Yeah, yeah, so yes, yeah. Very big season, as we know, coming mm. up for the Vancouver Canucks. Jeff, last uh, captaincy question for some time, I promise. Yeah. It's our boat it's our Bodog poll question. Will Gary Bettman ever present the Stanley Cup to Captain Quinn Hughes? Wow. I mean, I focus more on the Bettman part of that than uh, the Quinn Hughes part. <laughs> That's true. Ditto. That's true. Because we're I think we're living year to year at this point in terms of his not he's not living year to year, but his commissioner, <laughs> his term and his Jeff. tenure. Jeff, a wise Canuck executive told me, we're all just living day to day, brother. Trust me. Uh, I know that drill. But uh, yeah, so I look more at the commissioner and how long he's going to be in that role. Uh, And boy, if I give him a few more years, are the Canucks going to be Stanley Cup contenders by then? I'm probably answering no uh, to the poll question just because there are moving Mm. parts here. And uh, I'm all for it. Hey, if they can expedite the process here, make it happen. Sign me up, but uh, I'm going to answer no to that poll. I hear you, and I'm with you. Let's move on, Jeff, to um, – well, you were talking to some of the Canucks Friday during one of their uh, informal skates there. I know uh, Dakota Joshua and Anthony Beauvillier 
both had some things to say. What what caught your ear from the interviews uh, on Friday with the informal Canucks skate? Yeah, I mean, it's been kind of funny the way they've done it. And I don't blame, like, you know, a lot of the key veterans, Pedersen and Tanner Pearson and, you know, some of these guys that we want to talk to, they're playing the card that uh, these are informal skates. I don't have to do the media necessarily. I'll be available when training camp starts. So it could be another week or so uh, before we hear from some of them. But some of the guys a little further down the pecking order, uh, they've been good. And, and the team has facilitated, you know, a couple of guys per day so that we're not burning through every single guy two weeks ahead of training camp. And yeah, on Friday when I was out there, uh, Dakota Joshua and Anthony Beauvillier, and of course, a contract year for both of those guys. There are so many Canucks that are on expiring contracts. That's going to be a story uh, as this season moves along. But for Beauvillier, the newcomer, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, his contract is up and what's his future here? And you know, where is he going to slot in? And I, I won't be surprised if he gets the opportunity to start the season uh, alongside Elias Patterson and Andre Kuzmenko, which is where he played the bulk of his time uh, after the trade. You know, on a really good team, is Anthony Bavillier a top-line forward? Probably not. He's more suited, I think, to middle six. But when you're playing with Elias Patterson, uh, that can certainly boost your stock. So I'm sure uh, on the contract side, I asked him about it being a contract year, and he downplayed that and just said, if I focus on everything else, you know, the contract should take care of itself, sort of the standard hockey stock there. Um, but he's just excited to get a chance to start from the start. It's got to be difficult to uproot your life and, you know, join midstream and a team at that time that was uh, in turmoil and everything else. Um, you know, so I think he's just, he knows the players. He knows the landscape. He had 36 games under Rick Tockett. Uh, so I think for Beauvillier, it's just, it's the, now is the fresh start that uh, last year, uh, it was just about getting his bearings, and he's excited to get going here with these informal skates and ultimately as they lead into training camp. For Dakota Joshua, I mean, at this time last year, none of us knew anything about Dakota Joshua, and it really was a, a proving season. He had to prove that he was a, a National Hockey Leaguer, and the Canucks clearly saw something in him to give him a two-year contract, and the guy can play. There's no doubt, and we know that uh, he caught Rick Tockett's eye, uh, saw his ice time spike. I mean, at one point, Tockett talked about Dakota Joshua being a 20-goal scorer in the National Hockey League. That just feels like a, a stretch to me. But again, he's got the confidence of the coach. And you would think for any hockey player, uh, you know, that would mean an awful lot. And, and, and certainly Joshua expressed that sentiment. I asked him about the fact that this organization went out and targeted players that could help with the penalty kill in free agency. And he seemed pretty excited about that and recognized that you know, maybe it allows them to back off guys like Patterson and, and Miller a little bit in terms of the ice time devoted to that area of the game. If they can bring in other guys that can help, and then that'll allow Patterson and Miller, in theory, to uh, do more uh, in the offensive zone, although they did an awful lot in the offensive zone shorthanded down the stretch last year. But uh, Joshua, he had a funny line where he said, uh, yeah, I mean, the penalty kill was an issue. I don't think it could be much worse. And I was like, nope, you guys were 32nd, Dakota. It can't when you're 32nd in the National Hockey League. I mean, I guess by percentage points it could be, but in terms of of league ranking, so I think he recognizes that that was an area of concern. We all know how demoralizing that had to be. Uh, the number of nights of the penalty kill sunk them. So uh, you know, we're still a few weeks away from putting uh, rubber to the road, I guess, in terms of seeing what this new look penalty kill uh, can do for the Vancouver Canucks. But uh, Joshua seemed pretty uh, excited to think that they bolstered that area of the of the game. Well, I mean, there's a school of thought that he should be a part of that penalty kill unit. Yep. Of course, they've got a couple of forwards coming now in P.F. Suter. But before we leave these two guys, you know, if we're going to make the playoffs, if we're going to see this team make the playoffs, um, these are the kinds of guys that need to have career years, right? Like, there is upside there for both players, as you just talked about, as the coach believes in them. 
you know, if both of these players can have spike years and, you know, and it's going to be within a certain scale, we're not talking 30 goals here, but if, if these kinds of players have career years, then that is the kind of recipe for the Canucks to make the playoffs alongside regular performance from the superstars. Yeah, and I think in Beauvillier's case, and he recognized the fact, he was asked about the fact that there are an awful lot of wingers on this roster, and he yeah. recognized that and talked about internal competition. So he's aware of the landscape at the very least. But, you know, I think there is this prevailing thought that Andre Kuzmenko is going to have trouble getting to 39 again just on the percentages. Well, if Kuzmenko's production falls even a little bit, I mean, maybe a guy like Beauvillier on the other side of Elias Pettersson can pick up some of that slack. He's been a 20-goal scorer once. I think it was his rookie season in the National Hockey League, but he hasn't been able to get back there. And That seems guys, reasonable to ask. Yeah, exactly. Especially, yeah. you know, and we don't know about his power play situation and who's going to get the bumper spot and all those types of things. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a route there for Anthony Beauvillier to – uh, certainly challenge the best offensive season that he has had, which would be good for him. It would be good for the Canucks in the short term. And then if they look like he's a trade chip at the deadline, if the season's not going the way that they wanted, you know, you'd like to think that he could up his value if he has a, a big year and responds to the opportunity to play alongside Elias Patterson. So you're right. I, I go back to the like, Look, they didn't miss the playoffs last year because Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes let them down. It was the organization still hasn't surrounded those guys with enough right. of a supporting cast. They think they've done some of that. They've addressed an area of, of great weakness on the penalty kill. And, you know, I keep saying if the penalty kill can even be league average, I mean, that would be leaps and bounds from one that was dead last in the National Hockey League and for stretches last year was pushing 60%, which is just still mind-boggling all these months later. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that the Canucks have improved. Have they improved? I know we've talked about have they closed the gap and all those types of things. Uh, Pacific Division looks like it's going to be difficult again. So I do think if they're going to make a push for the playoffs, it's probably for one of those wild card spots in the West. Beauvillier was 20 points, 9 goals, and 33 games as a Vancouver Canuck last year, playing 17 minutes a night. Dakota Joshua was 11 goals, 23 points playing uh, 11 and a half minutes a night, although uh, Dakota, if I'm not mistaken, had a nice little charge there at the end. And Bovillia had a big um, dry spell, Jeff, yeah. um, but was able to snap out of it. We'll see uh, We'll see what the future holds for them, including whether Bovillia will be in that power play bumper spot in place of Bo Horvat. Jeff, marvelous stuff. Thanks for this. We'll catch up soon. Okay, guys. Thanks. Harrison Price from the Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags best and worst of Twitter.com. Brought to you by Jason Hominick, Jason.Mortgage. Recent Harrison Price listener contacted Jason one month before their mortgage renewal. Jason knows they could get out of their mortgage, get a lower rate, even with a get-out penalty. This listener saved money had they waited on the bank to renew. Would have cost them $7,000. That's the advantage you get with Jason Hominick on your side. Find him at Jason.Mortgage. Uh, I know it's supposed to be the best and worst of Twitter, but periodically I go to Instagram. Okay. You're not even on Instagram. No, I know. But that's where this was. Little birdies bring it to me. Ah, your children. I see. At Bo Horvat. Couldn't have happened to a better person. Well-deserved Quinn Hughes. Ah. Happy for you, brother. Yeah. He didn't do it on Twitter, but he did do it on Instagram. So, mm-hmm. yes. They prefer Instagram, the, the, uh, uh, the professional the athlete yeah. crowd. Yeah. So Quinn got the got the nod from the guy mm-hmm. leaving the office. Instagram, it's a happier place. It is, it is a happier place. You're right. 
at Shams Terrania. Sources LeBron James wants to represent Team USA at the 2024 Paris Olympics and is spearheading a group of future Hall of Famers, including Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, prepared to commit. Remember, Rashmadani last week told us they're all coming. Yeah. They're all playing for Team USA next year. So it will be more difficult than it was for the Canadians yesterday in beating Team USA for bronze at the FIBA World Cup. And look, I know everybody had designs on winning the tournament once you got to the semifinals and had a foe like Serbia. But when you think of it, Canada qualified for the Olympics, got a medal, and beat the USA at this tournament. Yeah. That's a pretty good hat trick. It was totally fine. Totally fine. And they join the list of qualified nations for Paris next year. Of course, France is the host nation. Germany, after winning the FIBA World Cup. Australia, Japan, Serbia is in as well. South Sudan out of Africa and the United States. And then the last chance qualifier, and boy, have we been there before in men's oh, basketball, yeah. Blake, and know how tough it is. There will be four berths, but listen to the lineup of countries that are fighting for these four berths. Brazil, who beat Canada. Spain, who was the number one team in the world coming into this. Lithuania, typically an extraordinary basketball-playing nation. Luka with Slovenia, Markinen with Finland. Then Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Latvia with Porzingis, and Greece. So it is going to be tough sledding for those who didn't already qualify for the Paris Olympics and it does sound like Team USA is going to bring some degree of a dream team. We we'll see, see this in every sport besides soccer, effectively, that like when you get a new power or two that rises up into the top ten, it pushes somebody out that you are accustomed right? to seeing there. Well, what about the weekend for Germany? You win the gold medal at the FIBA World Cup. You fire your men's national team head coach after getting destroyed by Japan in soccer. Mm-hmm. In a yeah. friendly. Yeah. So Germany is seeing the rise of its basketball program and what has always been, of course, one of the great powers in global football. And that was Slumped after, and stagnate. They, they drew with who in the last window? Remember I had it on a vote dog line of the day. It was like an Ecuadorian scoreless draw or something like that. I like, don't remember. We'll put it on East and yeah. for tomorrow. At Talking Baseball, uh, you started with LeBron to... Well, from one go to the next, the Angels are open to trading Mike Trout if he indicates to them that he wants out, per Bob Nightingale. And a lot of people are parsing this and saying, well, there's a lot of the dominoes to fall there before we get to Mike Trout actually being traded. But the, the news is the openness, not that he's going to be traded. The news is the Angels will entertain it. Well, of course, with Otani now coming off a, a second UCL injury. How available is he going to be next year? If he's not available next year, does Trout want to stick it through when they haven't been able to build a winner even with Otani? But what what a mess for the Angels. They have to worry about signing Otani first and then deciding what to do with Mike Trout as well or in the opposite order. I don't know. But two of the best players, and I think we can already say this, even though it's a small sample size for Otani, he is one of the best players of all time already, I think, at least one of the best talents. Um, the Angels have got two of the best of all time on their team. Is there another sports franchise out there that has done a better job at wasting two prime talents like they have, like the Angels have with Otani and Trout? No. Although the Oilers with McDavid and Dreisaitl are getting there. Yeah. But at least they actually got to the Western. No, they get to the playoffs. Exactly. Uh, Trout is under contract till 27 more years. 31. He will make. 
uh, enough money. Yeah, <laughs> they'll make thirty-seven million dollars next year. Yeah, yeah. You got to know what you're buying. Yeah, and um, and he's every at, year through. He's coming off his 30. worst year. Uh, he can't stay healthy. He's uh, played more than eighty-two games in a season once in the last four years. Um, you mean more than eighty-two? Yeah. He's played more so than it's one. the actual hockey number? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So he's played more than half the season. <laughs> I thought you had a Freudian slip no, there. No, no, no. Okay. Yeah. Played more than half the season, like once in the last four years. So. At Adam Schefter. Brock Purdy is the first quarterback in NFL history to win each of his first career six, six career regular season starts and throw at least two touchdown passes in each start. Purdy is also the first quarterback in NFL history with a passer rating of 95 or higher in each of his first career regular season starts well i did hear some naysayers about the 49ers last year uh, last week with purdy coming off the big injury of course he suffered in the nfc championship game they go into pittsburgh and they make it look easy they destroy the seal the steelers and it looks like they have made the right choice with brock purdy going forward after the trey lance trade he's had an extraordinary start to his career and it's punctuated by the fact he was the exact last pick in the draft. That's how good San Francisco is. They're getting starting quarterbacks with the last pick in the draft. Unbelievable. And perfect segue into this one at SportsCenter with an ER. Joe Burrow's first game is the highest paid player in the NFL. 14 of 31. 82 yards. Zero TDs. A quarterback rating of 52.2. Watch that game. It was an absolute dog's breakfast. It was ugly because Deshaun was missing wide open guys too. But we talked about it last week. Burrow did not have the full preparation he would have wanted. He got nicked in training camp. I think that showed up yesterday. Wet, wet, wet dreary day. There seemed to be some drops in that game. As well, I do think the weather conditions affected the passing game. But the quarterbacks were not great yesterday, I, I find, on a lot of fronts. Like, Daniel honestly, Jones was terrible. Honestly, Blake, the card wasn't great. The games weren't great. No. Like, Daniel Jones, and it was wet there, too. But Daniel Jones, how many times did he throw behind receivers last night? Like, it was like, lead the guy, for God's yeah. sakes. The, the one yeah. outlier was that Dolphins Chargers right. game. That was yes. in the confined environment of SoFi yeah. in, in L.A., but... No, you're right. And look, we talked last week too about I think the Browns are better on defense this year. And that absolutely showed up yesterday against Burrow and their in state rivals. Lastly, for me at Jake M. Garcia, going back to Friday, George Kirby visibly frustrated post game. He gave up the game tying two run home run on his 102nd pitch. Quote, I wish I wasn't out there for the seventh, to be honest. Says there will be a conversation soon. You very rarely get an athlete saying, I didn't want to be out there. He's Which, apologized since. He said I was wrong. Right. Yeah. But this goes back to DePoto's comments last week. Well, hopefully the starters can go deep in games because the bullpen is overtaxed. I think there's another middle finger from the clubhouse to management and ownership. You quit on us. We didn't have enough relievers ready to go because we didn't fortify at the deadline. Seattle not playing its best baseball. This is going to be a very interesting final three weeks. They should be very thankful that neither are the Rangers. But Yes, they should. Yeah, Because uh, they have picked the wrong time to go cold here. And that's hashtags for today.
Harrison Price from Wall Center. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. More on Quinn Hughes' captain here in a moment. But first, the Whitecaps are off their bye. They're in Toronto Saturday to play play a very weak sister TFC team. Mm Mm-hmm. But it was around this time last year, Blake, where we started watching the MLS out-of-town scoreboard and were just astonished week after week because things seemed to be falling Vancouver's <laughs> way. And it happened again this weekend. Yeah, it did. With the Caps not needing to lift a finger, there were a lot of um, East versus West matches this weekend. So a San Jose draw against D.C.? Miami comes back to beat Kansas City 3-2. Of course, that messy guy, he can play. He wasn't there. I don't think he was there, was he? Oh. He's, he's away with Argentina, I believe. Oh, right, of course. The stand-ins, though, did a great job. And again, this underscores to uh, a good point that um, Miami did a lot more than just adding the big, right. big guys. Uh, Kansas City drew. On Saturday against, oh, sorry, Kansas City was the loser there against Miami. Minnesota drew 1-1 with New England. And then Portland beat LAFC. Yeah. And then yesterday, the Galaxy tied St. Louis. The upshot here, LAFC, because of that draw, remains just two points ahead of the Caps. Vancouver with a game in hand. So they could leapfrog LAFC. As soon as this weekend, who hold down third place right now in the West. Minnesota remains one point back of Vancouver. They could have jumped Vancouver with a victory. And the Caps have a game in hand against Minnesota. San Jose remains one point behind Vancouver because of their draw. They could have jumped the Caps as well. And the Caps have two Two games games in hand against the Earthquakes. As they do versus the Seattle Sounders, Matt, if the Caps merely win their game in hand, mm-hmm. and again, Seattle's going to play uh, this weekend too, so I suppose they could stay ahead. But with a Seattle loss and a Vancouver win, mm-hmm. um, the Caps will effectively be the second place team in the right. Western Conference. If Kansas City or the Galaxy were going to make runs, they needed to happen soon. They didn't maximize points this weekend. And and Portland got their win, but they're five points back of the Caps. Two more games played. And with Vancouver having two games in hand. So a lot of things are falling the way of Vanny Sartini and his charges as they get back at it for the second half of this marathon seven-game roadie. If I can flag something for the fans, because we've been talking about the Lions game versus the Bombers coming up in early October and how much fun that's going to be. The very next day, folks, that's October the 6th, the Bombers and the Lions at BC Play Stadium. The next day, the Caps are in Seattle at Lumen Field. Mark that in your calendar. That might be a weekend to sort of... Do the double dip for the local teams. Those are big-time regular season games for both squads. It's going to be a lot of fun. Although before that, Blake, there's this roadie in Houston coming up on the 20th, and then there's this roadie in in Salt Lake City. And you know what? Week. If you take care of business in Toronto, you can almost schedule losses that a result ties in either mm-hmm. Houston, Salt Lake, become palatable if you beat Toronto and Colorado right. as the bookends. That's on this. a Wednesday, Saturday, Houston and Salt Lake City. Yeah. 
and those teams right now are in the cap or in the cap scope looking up one uh, Vancouver with a game in hand against both of them they're one point back of Houston they're two back of Real Salt Lake draws there so, are as good as wins though because if you if you saw off on the road and you take care of business versus Toronto with your and Colorado, game in hand right you're, you're totally fine so uh, a lot of things looking up for the caps here as they get back at it after an MLS buy. Results of Friday's Bodog poll question, where we asked, is Quinn Hughes the best choice as Canucks captain? Thousand votes here, Blake. Yes or no? What won the poll? Um, yes, one. People will be optimistic. Correct. 61. 73. Oh, it went up. Oh, mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Shred dude. If it's not obvious who the captain should be, then there is no captain. Why is everyone overthinking this? The only obvious candidate here is Miller. If for some reason you don't want to make him captain, then you don't name one. Simple. When a real captain comes along, great. Whack blackout. Miller would be the best. He's older and has a hyper-competitive drive. Todd says, I think regardless of PD resigns, Quinn has the better personality for it. I don't think it, I don't think that is unanimous at all that JT Miller should be the no. captain. Swedish Patrick. Elias Pettersson is a natural leader and an alpha male. Quinn Hughes is a great interview but doesn't have a natural leadership skills and should wear the A. And then I like these two. Where's your koozie? says, he's not the best choice. He is the right choice. Interesting parse there. Mm-hmm. And Ron says, who knows? Besides the guys in the room and the coaches. And, and you do wonder, and, and maybe this is, uh, again, as we said earlier, maybe this is an example of what the room thinks of it. But the fact that those three guys came and showed up in the room, I think – you know, shows the support from inside the room for this decision. Errors and omissions from Friday's program and beyond. And there's a few. Carter Hart was one of the players who also privatized their Instagram account from the 2018 Canadian World Junior Championship team. We had talked about a number of guys, including ex Canuck Jonah Gaucevich, had mm-hmm. on private on Insta. The Detroit Lions, their last NFL title was 1957. That's pre-Super Bowl era. In fact, that's a decade before the Super Bowl era. It's the second longest drought in the NFL. The Cardinals are 10 years longer. Their last title, 1947. That's in three cities, though. They've got Chicago, St. Louis, and Arizona until can't, still can't lift the trophy. And then USA Basketball has missed the podium at the World Championships, we now call it the World Cup, far more than I thought, Blake. Mm-hmm. I thought we were looking at a handful of times. It's been seven times. Yeah, and in the pro era, sort of 1990 above, it's now this is the third time. Uh, fourth time. Fourth time, sir. 02, 06, 2019, and then 78, 70, 67, and 63. Never off an Olympic podium. They did lose to Puerto Rico in Athens, but they uh, came back and won bronze there. Hmm. So never off the Olympic podium, but many times off the World Championship podium. Time for Blake's Bodog line of the day. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Who you like, what you got? Well, you uh, you mentioned the soccer game coming up this weekend. And so without further ado, let's see what the people think of or the uh, uh, fine folks at Bodog think about the Whitecaps' chances of another road win. Mm. Plus 135 to be the victor. They are the favorite. TFC with John Herdman at plus 180. Is this his debut? Or has he coached a game yet? Yeah, this is his debut, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Against the, Vancouver resident John Herdman, yes. head coach of TFC. Now you might think, oh, they're going to get the new coach bump. 
you have to have some semblance of talent to get the new coach bump. This is a dreadful you're team. You're saying they're under-talented? They, the Caps have the talent advantage yeah. against TFC with yeah. all they spend? Yep. On your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder, subscribe to us and Rankwide wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on social. That's Insta, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.